You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome. Hey, you're interrupting me. Okay. You didn't let me, um, you didn't let okay. me, uh, consent to All right, sorry, consent. Your recording or leave, right? Hey, consent <laughs> or don't, it's up to you. I'm not pushing you one way or another. <laughs> I'm going to leave all of this in. Welcome to the speaking in church podcast. I'm Josie. <laughs> and I'm Spencer. <laughs> and today, uh, the person who so rudely interrupted me at the beginning of this recording is our friend, Chris Rodriguez, coach, Chris Rodriguez. He is a certified life coach, so like the real deal, Um, a movement and mindset coach, and the host of the Soulfully You podcast, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Chris, how are you? (laughs) What is up? Okay, so I just think it's great that that Zoom, you know, when Zoom first started during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I was just recording everybody. It's like, I don't care. Uh, I'm not asking anybody. And then, and then Zoom was like, hey, hey, somebody might not like that, right? So they have this little thing that pops up once you, once you start recording. Hey, just so you know, you're being recorded right now. Do you consent? If not, you can leave the meeting, right? So every time it pops on, when I'm on with one of our friends, uh, I... I'm just so tickled by it. And I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe one day I will decide. No, I don't want to be recorded and I'll leave. Right. So, I mean, maybe you know. I really do like <laughs> informed consent. You know, we're all about that. I, uh, I feel like somebody got in trouble because that came up within, yeah, the last, within the last few yeah. weeks. That little thing came up. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Anyways, let's not think about it too much. Let's think about instead. <laughs> let's listen to Chris. <laughs> Tell us your life story, your testimony. Tell us all about you. We want to hear it. I love it. And you know what? Hearing you say, um, tell me your testimony. That is, um, it's language that's, that's endearing to me, uh, because I'm not really in spaces anymore where people are, where people have that language of, Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, tell me your testimony, you know? And it's like this powerful, transformation story of life right um so yeah it's um it's reminiscent uh, <laughs> but so i grew up in jersey but i say y'all because i went to college in oklahoma and i live in the bay right so it's like people don't know <laughs> what is this guy talking about right like <laughs> so i grew up in i grew up in i grew up in jersey um and to two um two immigrant parents my mother's jamaican my father's puerto rican um grew up in the inner city so um around a lot of blacks and and puerto ricans um and i remember from my earliest memories of life i always had to go to church and not just um church one day a week it was 
Uh, we went on Sunday and we stayed for a few services because uh, my mom was an usher. She was in the choir. Uh, she was, you know, one of the heads of the evangelism ministry. So we were out doing the tent thing in the park, um, handing out tracks on Saturdays. Um, and then we had youth group midweek. We had midweek service. So I was at church, like basically, uh, every day of the week, um, essentially. And, and I remember as a kid thinking like, I, I hate this place. You know, it's so, it's so boring and I got to wear a suit. And I remember the kids in my neighborhood on Thursday nights when we had to go to church or Saturday or that's how Sundays, um, when we had to, when we had to go to church, the boys on the block were able to just be out riding bikes and, you know, they didn't have to go to church. And I was so mad that my mom made me go. Um, but there was something in that, right. Um, she was what she was doing. Obviously faith was a big part of her world, but, um, but it was also this thing of, she wanted me to be around different kinds of influences. Right. So she was really intentional about getting me, um, getting me around older men, um, black men, Latino men, um, who were business owners and, um, just really cared for me, cared for my brother. Um, and that kind of shaped me. So when I remember that, I remember I was getting this, uh, this, Oh, okay. I can see the world in a different place. So my mom actually used church in some ways to get me out the hood. Right. Um, in that there was this thing that was happening inside of me, um, where I began to fall in love with the arts. I started falling in love with music, started falling in love with the dance. Um, and it was weird because it wasn't the church stuff I was falling in love with. Um, you know, that, mid late nineties, New York hip hop was everything for me. Right. So I was just, I was just enthralled by the rhythms, uh, and moving to it and doing the local talent shows, doing my middle school talent show. Um, and me and one of my buddies, I call him my cousin. Cause like our families grew up, grew up together. And if you grew up in a, um, Caribbean family. Everybody's a cousin. Everybody's your auntie. Uh, everybody's your uncle, even if they're not blood. Right. So, uh, me and my cousin, we, um, we went to church together and we both separate from each other, like fell in love with dance. And we started just really teaching ourselves how to, how to do this and mimicking some, of uh, some of the great dances. Um, so we started practicing together. We'd go over to to his house, clear out the furniture in the living room. And our, our parents would have the VHS like preaching tapes. And we'd like record like a Michael Jackson VMA performance over it. Right. Ooh, uh, no. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Nobody knew, but like we were, that's, we didn't have dance studios or anything like that. We just had, um, these, these videos that we saw. So we, you know, we practiced them and, and learn the steps and at youth group, we danced a little bit and some of the youth workers were like, Hey, you could, you could do that here, you know? And they gave us an opportunity to perform. So actually some of my first like real, like 
choreographed performances were actually in, in church, which I know is a very different experience for a lot of people. Um, Cause you know, I know Josie, you and I have talked about this a bunch of just like, yeah, like there was no dancing mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in our church, but that was, that was a thing. So, um, so from what I tell people is my first expression of God to me was in the form of music and dance. Right. Um, that was my for- first form of salvation. Mm. Right. Um, and that became a, just a big part of my, of my life and my story. I get older, you know, decide I'm going to go to that, uh, Christian college, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a Christian university, get a, you know, be around the good, good Christian folk. Right. So I go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, go to Oral Roberts, study, uh, church music and yeah, get married in that, in that, in that, um, in that phase of my life. Like, I mean, you know, meet my wife and, um, we have this time where we're in Tulsa and it's just us and we're, we're learning how to be adults on our own, essentially. Um, she's a nurse and we, we end up, um, after several years of living in Tulsa, we, we go and we, um, we decide, Hey, she says, I want to, I want to leave Oklahoma. She grew up in Oklahoma her whole life. So we did a travel nursing contract, went to Austin for a few months and then got out to the Bay. And we've been out here for six years. And in that process of just for me, starting moving, moving from my childhood home and tradition, going to college, growing up, and then moving further and further away from those communities, obviously, like, faith takes a different shape, Mm. right? Um, Experiences make, make that faith take a different, take a different shape. And I found myself in, in these, in these moments, great moments where, um, you know, I'm still pursuing dance, but I add on this fitness element and I'm going into companies. And there was this one moment that, um, I was teaching a class at Stanford, Josie, you and I have talked about this, but I met a woman who was one of my students. Her name's Yasmin. And she comes up to me after class. She says, Hey, I really love your class. I really enjoy it. And I wanted to let you know who I am and why I'm here. I've accomplished a lot of stuff. And, um, and I'm actually in your class because, um, I want to learn how to, um, find a way to connect with my body. Um, she came from, uh, a tradition where women were, essentially property didn't really have rights and everything in another country. And she left that relationship, took her daughter. They went on to get educations and and do all the things that you couldn't do in that community. Um, she was working in global health and, um, AIDS, HIV activism, and she's done some amazing things. Her daughter has, is an award-winning, uh, journalists and, um, author. And 
she said, I've done all this stuff, but I'm here to learn something about my body. And that moment changed me. And it made me realize that, oh, this thing that I had since I was a little kid, this thing that I dabbled with, this thing that I was, um, that was just like, hey, I'm just having fun and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do this. This is giving people new language and I want to explore this. Um, so moving my body became a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice and helping others find that connection to their body became, uh, one of my, one of my missions in my work. So that's, that's the, I think that's a, a long way of <laughs> telling the story. That wasn't a long, it was perfect. Perfect. Ugh, okay. Love it. I, um, Embodiment is this new thing, right? I mean, it's not new, but it's like for a lot of us who grew up in the church, it's a new concept uh, to feel embodied. Yeah, it's new in the West. Yes. And I mean, I grew up in a pretty repressed culture. Um, My parent, my grandma converted from Catholicism to Protestant Christianity, and she never wore pants, never cut her hair, and never wore makeup again because women were sexualized in that way and the whatever you wear whatever you do whatever you look like is a stumbling block for a man as a result there is no dancing at all at under any circumstances like even at weddings there's no dancing they'll like put on some praise music and jump up and down in praise but god forbid you go to prom and dance or whatever <laughs> um so i did not have a healthy relationship with my body in that way. I did develop high self-esteem, you know, just despite my mother. But <laughs> it wasn't until this is actually really terrible, but it wasn't until I started this chronic pain journey that I'm more in tune with my body because mm. she needs me more. Mm. She needs my brain more. Um, but I still am so bitter at the greater church capital C church for kind of teaching us that embodiment is evil because we're not supposed to be of the flesh. We're not supposed to think of things that our body wants or needs. We're just supposed to, you know, what do they say? Deny the flesh to not even, I don't know. We're supposed to see our bodies as just like a casing. That's not worth anything, especially not if it looks a certain way. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's it really is interesting because so much of well everything everything in Christianity is hinged on this one moment in history um, of the person Jesus walking eating, mm. you know, water and wine, crying, mm -hmm. you know, picking up dirt, spitting on it and putting it in someone's eyes, um, making people get up and walk, move their body, um, being tortured, being killed, sacrificing his body, mm -hmm. um, 
and dying and raising and every week or month based on the tradition right yeah we celebrate this moment of eating the broken body um and 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 drinking the blood right it's all hinged on this very <laughs> embodied the most embodied that 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 a person can be um yet we're disconnected from our bodies mm. right and told hey your body is bad mm. um but the spirit is good and and that's that in itself is is a it's a bad idea but it's also a new idea and a new like not new in the sense of the ancient world didn't wrestle with this right like it's a it's a it's a plato idea right but but new in the sense of before that that's not the way people thought about it well, um and i i think like i see i see both sides because i think like exactly what you said i think there's this weird disconnect of like the whole point that like makes Jesus different from like other gods that like, you know, Christianity is like, well, Jesus came as a person to live with us and that makes him different. Like he died for us, like went through human suffering that makes him different than like other religions. But exactly what you said that somehow that's like separating from us because mm -hmm. like you said, I, I think it's newer in the sense of like within the past, like, you know, like when we think about like, like especially like the purity movement or like modesty mm -hmm. or like things like that is very like shameful of the body mm -hmm. um, and very like focused on the spirit. But I also think like, I don't know. I, I think like for like a tradition that like Josie grew up in where it was very like detached from the body. Like I didn't experience that in the same way. Like mm -hmm. I became a Christian in a church that like we danced all the time. Like we right, would dance, right, like right. we would go to like high school camp and like have dance parties and like all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. never really felt disconnected from my body in the sense of like, Oh, like that's bad, but felt disconnected because the, especially like, again, around like sexuality or just about like mm -hmm. certain human development, there was so much shame behind that. And right. always with the, like, your body is a temple and like you have to protect like the spirit, like the Holy spirit dwells inside of you. So like you have to take that seriously, but it's also hard to take seriously when you grow up hating your body. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a weird cognitive dissonance. Like, do you guys are uh, giving me mixed signals here, mixed messages. <laughs> right. So, okay. So I hear, I hear a couple of things, right? So the first thing I hear is, so there's this actual, like, you know, you say like, Hey, we, we different than Josie. We, ex we experienced this, like, Hey, we move, we dance. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's like moving our bodies. Isn't bad. Yeah. Um, you know, to a, a certain, certain extent, extent. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't, yeah. No twerking in the church right. hall. You can't exactly. it too low. Exactly. You know, like, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Um, but but the 
other aspect of the body or one of the other aspects of the body feelings emotions um that say hey that's mm-mm, that's not that's not okay and then i hear this other piece of this idea and i hear it all the time of we start in this debt of mm. um of worthiness of goodness right um in the form of our bodies and this constant climb of we are trying to reach this transcendence to where we can break off this dirty broken bad shell and 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 escalate to um to divinity right um and that's a harmful idea of starting off in this in this debt of you are worthless you are um you're you're evil and because you're evil and because your body is evil we need jesus to like pull us out of this hole and um and make us worthy right um and i feel like as i describe that if i was to describe that to somebody that thought that way the words of worthiness um of i'm evil if i said that no no that's not what i'm saying but that's the that's what the embodied or disembodied practice Mm -hmm. kind of leads to right Mm um so the purity movement man we've all (laughs) we've we've all been we've all been we've all been a, a a part of the um the pain of it but this it's interesting you know this idea of the body being a temple. I was writing about this the other day and the idea about sanctuary, right? Um, The word sanctuary in religious contexts and nature contexts in the context of refugees, it means safe space. Mm -hmm. It's a safe space. That's what a sanctuary is. And that's the center of a temple. Um, That's the place where we congregate in our churches. And if we are calling our bodies this place, then shouldn't our bodies be a safe space, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So as I say that, I, I have the urge to breathe, right? Um, I'm curious when y'all hear my body is a safe space, what urges come up? Um, <laughs> as somebody with chronic pain, uh, I mean, I'm like bullshit. Um, because you know, but also that's my instinct, but my right. body is a lot of times the psychology behind fibromyalgia is said that there is a psychological component to why your body reacts the way it does. I mean, the body keeps the score. Go read it if you haven't already. Yes. 
I have been told, and I did work through this in therapy and through doctors, there is no reason or cure for fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all there tends to be links between psychological trauma or physical abuse in the life of a person with fibromyalgia that kind of makes your brain do certain things to the point where pain is constant all day, every day. And I think that the sanctuaries I was supposed to have in life failed me. And so the sanctuary that was supposed to be my body doesn't know how to exist safely because it was never safe before. And now I have to actively work towards making my body a safe space by like reducing stress levels, taking medication, like trying to exercise even if it's not all that possible most days like i have to work towards my sanctuary now because i didn't have sanctuary for my sanctuary in yes. the past yes yes mm. 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 Okay. spencer yeah. you're having a baby what do you think <laughs> literally so i um Something that I've been like the past 26 weeks now have been like really reconciling um, as not just somebody that is like literally like creating a human inside of my body, but as somebody who, um, you know, I grew up a plus size girl. I grew up a fat kid. Like, so my body never felt like a safe space because it was always up for like, for grabs in the sense of like people had comments and words about it my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like even before I was like considered like the fat kid, like people still had comments about it, whether it was like, Oh, like your kid's so cute or she looks just like her mom. And you know, you hear like when your parents have negative self talk and then people say, well, you look just like them. Like, how do you reconcile that? And then, yeah. So my whole life been struggling with like, what does my body look like within the past couple of years, like really owning it of like, this is like, this is me. And like, you know, just really feeling at home in it. And then yeah, I get pregnant and that rocks your world because your body isn't home anymore. It's home for someone else. And, um, the idea of like the body being a safe place of for this human, it's my body is supposed to be the safest place for it for as long as I can keep it in there. And that's wild to me because like I said, I've never considered my body like a safe space. And now seeing another human like thriving in it is like really, it's like good for my mental health, but bad for my mental health at the same Mm. time. Um, Because Yeah. yeah, like one part of me is like, dang, I'm so proud of myself for like, doing this and another part of me is like dang like I am having a really hard time like just with my own thoughts again about my own what I look like how my body works that kind of thing yeah Yeah. well firstly thank y'all both for sharing that like yeah thanks for interviewing us on our podcast (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I feel like it's barking up the tree where where, we're, we're trying to go down and um and I say thank you for sharing that because um, there is a difference between me who has been this one male, <laughs> you know, just relatively, you know, 
all of the all of the standards that exist for you do not exist for me mm-hmm. um, as far as my body. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some different ones that we can <laughs> uh, yeah. that we can talk about. But in this in this moment, in this scenario, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful for you to for you to share that. Um, and I have a thought on on both of the things you shared, Josie, for you, like there is this when you when you talked about sanctuary when you talk about like man i'm trying to create this safe space within me that i didn't have mm. um wow it's uh, um i've i've been reading uh hillary mcbride's new book uh wisdom of the body Ooh, it's, love hillary oh she is amazing uh, and she's given me a lot of language around um around the embodiment work and one thing she says is you know she talks about you know the feelings when you were talking about making your making your body a safe space and the the psychological thing that's happening uh she talks about um a lot of times what we want to do is we want to turn off the 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 sensations of of discomfort of pain, of negativity of all that mm-hmm. stuff we want to numb it out um but when we turn it off um we're closing off all of the other spigots um of the goodness and the and the joy and all of those kinds of things that we feel so when I hear you say, I'm trying to do the curative measures to make this body a sanctuary, um, it's, it's a really powerful practice, um, you know, and that's why I say this work around, around the body is a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Right. And then Spencer, that connects me to what you said of just the, oh my goodness, my body that has been put through so much now is going to be the sanctuary for another body. Um, And the first thing that came to my head was, I wonder if this is what redemption actually looks like embodied right didn't know i was going to therapy in church at the same time (laughs) (laughs) i um so this is something that i've been like grappling with there's um there's a priest that i love that she's actually pregnant right now too Mm. and yesterday she posted this video about like surrendering like because for so long surrender especially as a woman meant like surrender like to what like male authority like wants or like what you know like what the standards of society when for her she's like well now surrender exactly what you said of like my body is not my own like my body belongs to this other human while you know like as much as it belongs to me at this moment and I think that is it has been really redemptive because it's like for me it's this new concept of like Again, like when I was talking about like, you know, when parents have negative self-talk and how does that impact their kids? Like, it's been so much of me realizing of like, I've said so many negative things about myself and my own body. And now like looking at it in a new light of, like I said, like 
dang, I'm like so grateful and so proud of myself. And like this weight of like, when I'm holding this human, like I never want them to feel what I've felt. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is a new, this is a new start. It's a fresh start of exactly what you said. How do you like break cycles and how do you redeem things that for so long felt like you could never get out of? Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I feel kind of similar. I mean, I'm not going to grow a human inside of me anytime soon or maybe at all (laughs) because I don't feel like it, Uh, (laughs) but I feel, yeah, like, there is a redemption for yourself in embodiment, even outside of pregnancy, friends. Um, yeah. Because, like, growing up, my body was always my sanctuary in the sense that I was going at a lot of things alone. And my body carried me through until today. And now she's a little messed up. She's a little, she's got a little battle scars on her, but yeah like there's a redemption in even caring for my own body like um yesterday i threw out my back my back is still pretty much thrown out um as i sit here funkily um but it, it could it's also like the sign of like hey bitch slow down like i'm tired you're doing too many i was trying to build an ikea bookshelf which is one heavy and two you're not technically not supposed to do that by yourself. I was doing it by myself (laughs) and my body's like, you cannot, I am tired. I'm on the mend. Let me heal. Mm. And it was that sign. I mean, I would have preferred it if it didn't put me out for a few days, but you know, sometimes when you don't listen to your body, bad things happen. So if you listen to it, good things can happen where I go as you tell me that is I think about, yeah, when you say this embodiment work, even if you're, even if you're not pregnant, if you're not growing a human, (laughs) um, it can, it can still be, be redemptive. Um, and I think about the patterns in my life where, you know, most of my life was not me doing interior work. Um, you know, sticking with the analogy of, of the sanctuary, the deepest (laughs) part, the most center part, um, my, I like you felt like I had to protect myself because I grew up in a really rough environment, not in my house, but like in my neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. Like the threat of being robbed, being, (laughs) um, getting in a fight, like having to always, you know, be act act tough. Um, so there was a lot of going in, um, for me and a lot of having to find safety within me, but not in a way where I was doing my work in a way. It was a way where I was hiding myself. Right. Um, and this becomes the, um, the vice of us Enneagram nines, uh, Mm. peacemakers, we go in, um, and the fire rages in there. Um, but we're not, we're not, um, we're not cooking anything on those flames. Right. Yeah. Um, so transitioning to a place where I'm doing my 
inner work now where I'm going inside, but not in a way that disconnects me from others, but in a way that that grounds me, that that expands me, that gives me more space for the people in my life. That is uh, the part of the spiritual journey that I think we all have an invitation to, um, and that's necessary, uh, but it's rare, mm. right? Um, so yeah, how can we um, turn in in a way that expands us versus turning in in a way that shields us, right? Yeah, and these are all things that are not only not taught in church spaces, but also kind of rejected. Like, I can't tell you how many times people were like, Josie, you can't do yoga because that's demonic. That's of the devil because you're not supposed to be meditating because the demons will get inside. And it's like, um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to do any inward reflection or any inward work because the demons are going to get me. Like, how does that make any sense? Right. Well, I was, yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say, didn't like Jesus go off on his own to go reflect, to meditate on the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was talking to uh, Jackie um, Mm -hmm. Grunlin and we were having a, yeah, we were, I think we were having a conversation on, it was either on my podcast or her, her podcast. One of them. We have a couple episodes coming out on both of our, on both of our podcasts. And she was, she was describing this thing of like how she was experiencing anxiety and depression. And when she expressed that, like people would just kind of say like, it's demons in your head. And it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> no, it's not demons in your head. Uh, it's it's something physiologically is happening mm-hmm. um and we have to pay attention to it um yeah and that rejection of what what um what father roar calls the, the immortal diamond um what um saint teresa of avila um calls the interior castle right the deepest part of ourself that that is most connected to the divine right um but you know, that, that, that scripture being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, you know, that's been something that's been really important, been important for me. Um, I want to be a better human because I think if I'm a better human, um, rather than this like floating head, um, trying to escape into the clouds and be, Godlike, I I think I can be like Jesus, mm-hmm. right? 
I think I can embody love and um and goodness and and service and and sacrifice. Um and that shouldn't be a threatening thing. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be a threatening thing. That should be a really good thing. Yeah. Um, if we all decided, hey, let's be better humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the spirit's in that, you know? I agree. Especially, and I mean, because growing up, you always heard this, like, you're not of this world. Don't worry about the world here. Like, it's not just like the church making us disembodied humans it's that disembodiment then goes off towards not giving a crap about the environment not caring about people that are being enslaved not caring about the homeless neighbor that you have it's like you rejecting your own embodiment then has repercussions for where you live and where you live is the earth and god called you to be good stewards of the world so it's like this vicious cycle that keeps getting perpetuated by these religious structures without, I'm hoping without understanding the consequences thereof. Otherwise it's just malicious for maliciousness sake. I don't know. What do you think Spencer? Uh, I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, one, just the not of this world. Um, y'all that's just straight up, not biblical because if we weren't meant to live on earth, God wouldn't have created us here. Like, Boom. That's just like Spencerism. Boom. Chap- chapter one of the Bible. God well, created us and put us on earth. Like Well, we've we've done we've been bad interpreters of the um the whole dominion over the earth thing. Yes. Nope. Uh, very, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've and we've really we've really exercised. It's like that episode of Family Guy, <laughs> where it's like, um, where it's like they're talking about the Second Amendment, <laughs> and uh, and they go back to to like the founding fathers when they're um, putting together Second Amendment. And they're like, all right, it's settled. We all have the right to bear arms, and they all rip their sleeves off and start bearing. <laughs> amen i feel like we kind of did that with like the uh the dominion thing because it's Mm -hmm. really it means cultivate Mm -hmm. take care of it yeah hey in this context of garden cultivate this world which is the the garden of god Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and his people and his children and all of the wonderful things he created. Yeah. They also like, like to force women to procreate, but then they want to leave a shitty world to their children and grandchildren. How does that make sense? <laughs> I, oh, I think um, this also goes into, um, you know, we talk about like, like how to be better humans and like spiritual practices. I think, again, this is where, tradition is so important because like like meditation for example like in many christian traditions that's not a bad thing at all like Mm -hmm. you have like the like the ancient church fathers and mothers like after christ came like when they're trying to build the church like 
all these monks and nuns like would meditate and do spiritual practices all day. And then you have things like, like one of my favorites is like uh, Lectio Divina, which is literally yeah, yeah, yeah. meditating on scripture. Right. And then, you know, you have things like breath prayers that are supposed mm-hmm. to remind you of like grounding yourself in your body while praying through scripture or through praying through a guided prayer. And again, like I know that Josie said, like there are some traditions that are like, that is all wrong. Like that is bad, which Christians all over the globe have been practicing these for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. These are not bad. And so, and I mean, just like yoga, like the church I work at, we do holy yoga. So like, holy yoga. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I'm like, it's, you know, they always talk about of like, you know, they want the body of Christ to like be united, but they want to, they want to like be so split on things that people are literally trying to do to get closer to Jesus. And it boggles my mind. Yeah. The whole body of Christ and we want to disembody our bodies. That's funny. Whole, it's almost like the whole religion is about bodies. <laughs> and, and these, not just, not just bodies, but like these bodies together, mm-hmm. like bodies moving together, growing together. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really, it really is interesting. I mean, I get pushed back for that. I mean, I've, I've had people, I have people who have, um, disassociated themselves from me because I'm, I'm a certified yoga teacher and <laughs> the, the work that I, that I do, I, I have, um, some, what we would call Eastern practices. Um, and I don't know, it's, it really, it really does become interesting because some, I see people like, Hey, we got to like in one breath, it's don't do that evil body stuff. And then the other breath, um, it's like, Hey, let's do this Daniel fast. Yes. Um, yes. Right. Um, this thing that has, has a, has a diet to it and has a, has a component of doing these things and, and, and sacrifice and discipline of the physical body. And obviously like, you know, partnered, partnered with prayer, but I don't know. It's, I don't think we believe the things that we're actually saying. (laughs) I don't think so either. Um, I I think, I think there is this, sometimes there's this thing of like, I need to, I need to be right because this is what, um, because I don't have any other explanation, but because this is what somebody said to Mm -hmm. me is right. So I need to just do it. And, and and I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about this today. It's like, we just, we got to stop treating people like we, like we teach our babies not to touch a hot stove. Right. Mm. Um, there's a different cognitive function in our uh, adolescent and, and adult life. And I don't know. Do you, do you think it's a, um, do you think it's a genuine like fear of the unknown or do you think it's more of like a power struggle? Yes. That's my answer. <laughs> Both and yeah, no, I mean, 
the deepest fear of of ours becomes the the one of the deepest fears becomes that fear of fear of the unknown um usually embodied in our fear of death right mm-hmm. um we also see that in the in you know embodied in our fear of <laughs> rejection like what happens when i leave the tribe mm-hmm. right um how will i survive right so there's that safety piece that that kind of comes back um so I need to hold on to this because this is, this is going to keep me, this is going to keep me safe. Um, but then we can't like say, we can't like deny the fact that some, um, that there's a lot that has just been passed down. Like, Hey, don't ask questions. Right. And curiosity is one of, was one of my biggest, forms of practice in my in my life now and i consider it a spiritual practice to uh to be curious Mm. right uh to hold things without judgment um and i feel safe to do that because i don't think that god's afraid of my curiosity Mm. yeah i think if god is as big and as powerful and as mighty as we we say he is, mm-hmm. um, then I don't think that God is scared of. Well, I wonder if I think about this differently, right? Mm. I think God will still be God, and. I do believe that the goodness of God in my curiosity will, will draw me to, to the spirit will, will draw me to God. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's almost like we're made in the image of God. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. What? You read that in like a Bible or something? <laughs> but this idea of Amago Day, right? Um, who am I that you are mindful of me, that you've made me lower than yourself, that you've crowned me with glory and honor? That's the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in awe that you had the thought to make me like you. Why? Because you found pleasure in it. And there's no stipulations to it. There's no, if you're skinny, if you're white, if you're blonde, if you're this, then you're made in the image of God. It's you're made in the image of God, period, as you are. No holds barred. So I've been kind of going, a few episodes ago, we we talked about... um, like the idea of original sin and how like I just don't believe in that anymore mm-hmm. because thinking about like a, a newborn child like what we were talking about earlier like you're inherently bad or evil like I just I don't believe that um and so I've been thinking on that a lot and thinking about Imago Dave do you think that 
holding the idea of original sin as truth undermines Imago Day because if we're creating God's image and God is good, like to his core, but yet we also simultaneously are believing that we're like evil people, like isn't that just undermining it? Spencer coming in hot with the heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, honestly, I think, and this is hard and this is, and this is someone who like, you know, I know, I know, I know you like love, like the, the academia and the ideas of theology. Right. And I, and I do too. Um, and now I'm about to say something that like, like, like goes against that. I think, I think sometimes the, hold on. Bless you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, allergy season, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't sneeze in public. Cause then people like, yeah. Or when you Why actually you choke on your own spit <laughs> for a little bit, you're just like, <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Bring it back, Chris. Bring it back. That sneeze got me. Um, I think one of the one of the things that I try to not do in my spiritual practice now is I try not to have these binary um, ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the the black and white. Um, I think, I think yes. And is, is such a powerful, um, such a powerful statement. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I, I love nuance and I love the nuance of the ideas and I love the conversation around some of the theological ideas. And, and there are definitely some that's like, okay, if you go down this road, theologically and you go down this way of thinking just because of its rigidity um then you box yourself into like so that can't be true yeah right um but i tend to hold in these days i tend to hold a looser hand um of one i don't i don't know um but hmm, this is a curious piece to kind of kind of think through um and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas that that actually are leaning towards um we need to cancel out that idea we need to excommunicate that idea we need to cut off that idea um so double down on this idea um and yeah i that's my way of saying i want to see more nuance around this thing Mm -hmm. um and i want to see more more nuance around the conversation around it that's that that becomes my answer Mm. that's fair yeah i think i think it's funny because like you said i i uh because I became a Christian a little bit later, like as a teenager, I didn't grow up with like the foundational Bible stories and all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I also became a believer in a church that was like, women can't preach. They can't lead. They can't do any of that. And I was like, 
that's not true. <laughs> and so I, and so I immersed myself so deep into like the academia of it. That exactly what you said. By the time I like left Bible college, I was like, I was so in my head when really like I'm an Enneagram four, I need to be in my field. <laughs> right. that, that, uh, yeah, no, now I love that. Like my mom, she, it's kind of funny. She calls things like, uh, we call it like, like very like spiritual, like that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I very much in that. And she's like, that's weird. But I, you know, just think like the spirit isn't everything and everything's connected and exactly what you said of, I think there's all those big conversations where sometimes I, I hold so tight the like academia portion that like, I need people like you to be like, I don't know, can it be both? And I'm like, Hmm, maybe it can. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's me too, right? And in a lot of in a lot of ways, like I that was me because I came from uh I came from uh just yeah, I came from a, a different tradition. Now women can preach. My mom was a preacher, right? Um But I got, I got really into like the early church and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just all of the, all of the, it, it's actually really interesting because I grew up in a, in an era where our parents were reacting to religiosity, right? Mm -hmm. No, like we're not, we're not wearing skirts anymore and women can preach and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was in college, there was this movement that was reacting to that Mm -hmm. now, right. Mm -hmm. Going back to tradition, right. And the pendulum swung and correct. And I was a, I was a product of that era. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, of like, yeah, I want to go to mass, man. Heck yeah. <laughs> right. And, and it's like, yeah. So, but this embodiment work, right. Teaches me about more than just the intellectual intelligence of the body. Right. Um, churches typically we say, um, the intelligence of the body is spirit, um, in connection to the Holy spirit. Um, secularists would say the intelligences are in the head. And I would say it's there and there. And then there's these other ones too, like vibes and sensations and feelings and storytelling and meaning making. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, tell me about the urge that just happened inside of you. Um, and the moment when somebody says something and you're like, Oh, I just have to respond. Um, and that I just have to is a nervous system response. These are the intelligences that we don't, that we don't, Mm. um, that we don't know. So when I go to, Mm -hmm. 
right? Bible college, <laughs> I exercise this intellectual um, wisdom center, right? Um, but when I get back in touch with this, this thing that happens in my body, um, I, I see the different facets of the diamond of the wisdom of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, there is this, there's safety in the head. There's safety in the stat. There's safety in the, um, in the, this is, this is what we know to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we all, we all go there. Right. Um, and let us not minimize that, like that knowledge center, that wisdom center, but let's have an invitation to be open to the other wisdom centers as well. And that this, this body, um, can be unified, right? And all of those things can be in line. Um, and all those things could be connected to the place we're in right now. Um, and all those things can be connected to the, to the divine, um, and connected to my neighbor, um, and not be in competition. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, Chris, wow. We love you. That was so good. It's like, what a word. I know. Oh, we dig it. You should come back and talk to us some more. <laughs> Because we're Friends, technically out of time. Invite me to parties. I come. But the problem with me is um, I'm a lingerer, right? Because I'm a nine. So you invite <laughs> me to the party and I don't know how to leave. Right? Uh, it's okay. I'm an enneagram me. I know how to kick people out. I <laughs> don't <Perfect>. care. <laughs> Chris, where can the people find you and all your work? Man, you can find me on IG. Uh, coach underscore Chris Rodriguez. That is my personal business handle. And then my podcast handle is soulfully you podcast on Instagram. And you can find all of my podcast episodes and all of my coaching programs at coachchrisrodriguez.com. Mm, we love it. Go give him a follow, listen to his pod. Obviously great speaker. So you have the official speaking in church seal of approval. <laughs> Spencer, where can the folks find us? They can find us on Instagram at speaking in church. They can find Josie at Josie takes the world. They can find me at Spence Rose. And if you'd like to send us an email, our email is speaking in church at gmail.com. And if you want to come on, shoot us a DM. We'd love to have you. Well, maybe we might not, but I just want to respond. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, friends, as always, stay woke or get woke. And Jesus loves you. Bye. <laughs>